Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Be Not Afraid cast. As always, it is your host, Steven. Um, as of right now, I am alone, uh, but someone may join later. We'll see. Uh, so last time we finished up the gospel according to Matthew, so obviously we'll take the next logical step and begin talking about the gospel according to Mark. Um, as Matthew's gospel had an audience in the Jews and the people of the area, um, Mark's audience was Gentile converts, especially those coming from Rome. Um, he talks more to those who are converting from other religions into Christianity um, that were never Jewish to begin with. Um, he stresses the deeds and the strength and the determination of the Christ and his overcoming of evil forces and defying the imperial power of Rome. And he emphasizes the passion of the uh, the passion of Christ, or the passion of the Christ and his sacrifice. Um, beginning with Mark one one, we see the beginning of the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. See, I am sending you my messenger. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, making his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were baptized, baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, One who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandal. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Um, as we see, Mark jumps right into it. Uh, he doesn't set up the backstory like Matthew did um, with the genealogy of Christ. He jumps right into stories of the coming of Jesus and what comes or how he is to come. Uh, we then see his telling of the baptism of Jesus, which very similar, the he heavens opening up and declaring him the begotten son of, or Je declaring Jesus the begotten son of God. Um, then again into Jesus' temptation into the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, his ministry at Galilee after John is arrested, and then the calling of the first disciples. Uh, Simon and Andrew, and calling Simon and Andrew, and that how they immediately leave to follow Christ. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, immediately following him as well. Then he goes into driving out an unclean spirit, where they go into Capernaum and right away enter the synagogue on the Sabbath and begin to teach. And the people were astonished at Christ's teachings. He was teaching them as one who had authority, not like the scribes. Just as a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, he cried out, 
What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebukes, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him, un threw him into convulsions, shouting at with a loud voice, and came out of him. They were all amazed, and they began to ask each other, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands the unclean he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And once the news about about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Um this is teaching, you know, as we see, you know, Mark is teaching more about the actions of Jesus rather than the basis of Jesus. Um Matthew talks a lot about why Jesus belongs in this position, why Jesus is the Son of God, and the prophecies he fulfills, uh, which spoke to his audience. Mark is now talking about his victories and his accomplishments and what he did, which is what speaks to the Gentiles and those converting who had never seen, never studied Judaism and were never a part of the Jewish faith. Um, Mark goes more, this is what happened. This is why it's amazing to the people who wouldn't follow someone because they he fell under their old traditions but rather follow someone because they taught a new life or rather they're following someone who did amazing things because they did not have that connection to old Judaism they were not the sons of Abraham they are others Um, and it talks a lot about Jesus' Jesus's healings and his preachings uh, rather than his theological basis, his physical basis for being God, uh, his miracles. Um, ministering to the multitude describing his 12 apostles. Uh, here, we're moving into Matthew 3.20 now. Jesus entered a house, and the crowd gathered again, so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him, because they said he is out of his mind. The scribes, who had come down from Jerusalem, said he is possessed by the Beelzebul. And he drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. So he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is finished. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder it and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven all for all their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty. Uh, once again, um, 
talking about the Holy Trinity and how there is the three aspects of God. There's the Father, there's God the Father, God the Creator, God the Son, Christ the Savior, Christ the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit, God the Messenger. Um, To blaspheme against the Creator is to talk down against the Creator, to deny the Creator. To blaspheme against the Messiah is to deny your own salvation, to deny that you are saved. To blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is a step above that, is worse, because the Holy Spirit is the messenger of God. It is the arm of God that reaches to our earth and is in our lives and guides us. And to blaspheme the personhood of God and to blaspheme the creator, the God the creator, is one thing. It is just words. You can still be following the word of God while still being angry with him. Um, But to deny his will and to ignore what he desires is true blasphemy. That can never happen. Um, Another thing Matthew really likes to do is to explain, or sorry, not Matthew, my apologies, uh, to explain the parables after uh, another thing Mark likes to do. I said Matthew twice there, didn't I? Um, but another thing he likes to do is to explain the parables after they're used. For example, the parable of the sower, and then the exp- explanation of it. Uh, Matthew three or four ten. My apologies. Goes when he was alone. Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. He answered them, "The secret of, God, of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive." They may instead listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might be given. They might turn back and be forgiven. Um, This is, you know, Jesus used parables to make the kingdom of God understandable to us. Because otherwise, we would not understand. Um, And then he explains the parable of the sower. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. So, my apologies. Sower being S-O-W-E-R, someone who, essentially a farmer. Um, The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word, sown in them. And others are like the seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like the seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. But the worries of his age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things enter in and and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. 
and those like the seed sown on good ground hear the word. Welcome it and produce fruit 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Um, talking about the different people who hear the word of God. Not everyone will hear it and listen. Not everyone will hear it and believe in the Lord. But everyone will hear the word. And some who hear the word will go on and spread more word as, as a tree or plant produces fruit. And that fruit holds seeds and those seeds are planted and producing more. So those who hear the word shall join the word or shall, can end up becoming ones who spread the word. Um, well, similar to how the par parable of the, must, of the growing seed has the same one, same message. The parable of the mustard seed, uh, as we saw in Matthew. Uh, you know, faith like a mustard seed. Uh, we then go into Jesus casting out more demons and driving them out. Uh, again, the story of bringing them to the p large herd of pigs, casting the demons into them, slaughtering the pigs. And the more miracles of Christ, healing and restoring people. And then his rejection at Nazareth comes in March. Mark, sorry, Mark 6. He left there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things? So we enter into Mark 6. He left, and they, he left there and came to his home. And his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things? They said, What is this wisdom that has been given to him? And how are there these miracles performed by his hand? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, jo Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with him? So they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. He was not able to do a miracle there except that he had laid his hands on a few sick, a few sick people and healed them. And he, he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the village's teaching. Uh, when they say his brother, or the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, um, they are not talking about his like biological brothers. Mary did not have children uh, besides Christ. Um, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon were all his disciples. They were his brothers in the sense that they followed him and were with him at all times. Essentially, um, his brothers, as in his friends, the people who were with him. No, 
sort of like saying, isn't that uh, Peter's friend or Judas's friend or something like that, you know, uh, how people have just heard of uh, Jesus otherwise? Because you realize word was passed through mouth back 2,000 years ago. So when Jesus is giving his teachings, it would get, have gotten back to Nazareth like, oh yeah, Simon told me about this miracle that this Jesus guy did. And someone else would have heard and said, Jesus, you mean the son of Mary? Yeah, that one, you know. This was less claiming him brother as in the other sons of Mary and claiming him brother as in his friends who were always beside him. Um, as we see, he now commissions the twelve, uh, summoning them and began to send them out in pairs to give and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on an extra shirt. He said to them, when you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out to and preached, and that people sh preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. Uh, we then go into the story again of John the Baptist being beheaded. Um, this is only put here, not to say like, hey, this is important for right now, but this is just when it happened in the timeline, essentially. Well, not essentially, literally a timeline of events. It's John the Baptist was then beheaded. Um, we then go into feeding the 5,000 with the few loaves and few fish. And Jesus blessed the food, loaves and the fish, and they were able to feed them all. Um, the and it was 5,000 men, not counting the women and children alongside them. So you can say it was closer to 10, maybe 15,000 people. He fed with five loaves and two fish. Uh, he then goes from feeding the 5,000 to walking on water and showing Peter not to be afraid because of his, or to have faith in Christ rather than be afraid of falling into the water. Uh, we then get into a miraculous hearing. When they had crossed over the crossed over. They came ashore at Gennesaret and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. They hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went into the villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and, be and begged them that they might touch the end of his robe. Everyone who touched it was healed. 
Um, this is Jesus just healing people. You know, whenever someone would come up and beg to touch him, beg to be near Christ, and to lay their hands upon Christ, they would be instantly healed. Um, he was the Son of God. Truly, he was both fully God and fully man. And his divine being is what allowed him to heal people without even casting healing on them. Just they came up and touched him and he was healed. And we then go into the traditions of the elder. The traditions of the elders, which is where his disciples are scolded for not being or not fasting. Which is when he enters Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah prophesies correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written. The people, this people, honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship, they worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. He said to them, "You have a fine way of invalidating God's command." in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks of evil and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is korban, that is, an offering devoted to God. You no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have had had handed down, and you do many other similar things. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, Listen to me, all of you, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the house, away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, are you also lacking in understanding? Do you not realize that nothing is going into a person that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it does not go into his heart but into the stomach and eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out from a person defiles him? For from within for from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these th evil things come from within a person and defile a person. So, yeah, this is Jesus declaring that all foods are clean. Um, you know, there's, we can, you know, nothing that passes into us will defile us. Sort of like, and I know this is a very touchy subject for a lot of people, but there are a lot of people who declare it. Um, there are people who believe that because they had someone force themselves upon them before they were ready or before they were married or while they were married, another person forced themselves upon them. That declares them an adulterer, but that's not what adultery is for something coming into you is not cannot defile you uh, or 
for example, we've talked about it before with abortion, um, choosing to kill your child, choosing to get that abortion and kill the child is the sin. But if for whatever reason there was a miscarriage, stillbirth, the child didn't properly develop, that is not your fault and you are not the sinner because of it. Um, Similarly, that person had no chance to be defiled. Um, you know, a lot of people think that from conception you have the original sin, and therefore if you die without being baptized uh, through a stillbirth, for example, then you cannot enter into the kingdom. Um, this is untrue. Um, as you did not have a chance to defile yourself with your sin. Um, no. While it is said that a baptism is washing away the original sin, Nothing that comes into a person can defile them. Similarly, original sin being passed down to you cannot defile you, for Christ has for forgiven it. Christ's death was forgiveness of that original sin. Baptism is not washing away that sin, but a promise to continue to live free from sin. A promise to live in Christ's mercy. Um, because what has come into you, original sin, cannot defile you. But what comes out of you, your choice to accept that sin. Original sin is just the temptation to continue to sin. Um, so it can the temptation is not what defiles you it is the action of following that temptation um, it is in human nature uh, it has a name uh, the call of the void uh, essentially just like you know what I'm just going to do this horrible thing whatever that horrible thing is you know, your brain is just like on autopilot. And it could be anything, you know, it could be like your brain just on autopilot is like, what if I just jumped up and strangled the person next to me, right? Um, not everyone feels it, but it is a thing, you know, something like that. Or thinking about you know, standing on the edge of a cliff. Like, what if I just like took another step? That is the original sin, the call of the void. Um. And the choice to not act upon those thoughts are what allows you to remain undefiled by that temptation. Um, so by nothing that comes into you, can, nothing that comes into you can defile you. Original, which is the original sin. Uh, yeah. Uh, we then move on to Matt or Mark. 
sorry, I'm so used to Matthew. Uh, Mark seven twenty four, Gentile's mother, which is my Bible is labeled a Gentile mother's faith. Got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know. It did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophicinian by birth. And she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, because it isn't right to take away the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went out, went back to her home, she found her child lying on bed, and the demon was gone. Um, the This isn't mentioned in such detail in the other Gospels, uh, which makes sense with Mark being dedicated to the Gentiles and to the Romans. The Gentile mother being blessed as well is important for the Gentiles to hear because the Gentiles would be confused and say, no, the Lord came to bless the Jews. And the Gentiles would then respond, or the Gentiles then seeing, no, the Lord is blessing the Gentiles right here, would realize, no, the Lord came to bless everybody. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went out by the way of Sidon and to the Sea of Galilee, through the region of the De Decapoils. They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took away, took him from the crowd in private after putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting. He touched his tongue and looked up to heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Ephephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he was able to speak clearly. He ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. They were extremely astonished and said, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf and hear and the mute speak. Again, feeding 4,000. Yeah. You see again, Jesus coming and feeding people with very little food. Very many people, very little food. Um, just last week, you know, for them, just last week, the disciples said, we do not have enough food. But they were able to feed everybody, and this happens again to the disciples. Them saying, or with the Lord being, with the Lord providing for them and feeding all of them.
Uh, we then move on to the leaven of the Pharisees. Uh, the leaven of the Pharisees. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test, to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, uh, he said, Why does this generation demand a, a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got back into his boat, and said to the other side, The disciples had forgotten to take... Sorry. The disciples had forgotten to take bread, and only one loaf with them in the boat. Then he gave them strict orders, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He then... Beware of the leaven in the Pharisees the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Aware of this, he said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hears? Do you not remember when I broke five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets of leftovers, full of leftovers did you collect? Twelve, they told him. When I broke seven loaves for the four thousand, how many baskets full of pieces did you collect? Seven, he said. And he said to them, do you understand yet? And he said to them, don't you understand yet? Okay, that's the end. Um, no, this is immediately after feeding the four thousand. They're again confused, saying, we don't have enough food. And this is the Lord saying, are you guys just not paying attention anymore? I keep feeding with very little food. We keep having plenty of leftovers, despite there being such huge numbers of people being fed with such few food. If you believe in me, you shall not hunger and you shall not thirst. Do you have eyes that do not see? Do you have ears that do not hear? See what I am doing for you. Hear what I am saying to you. You should not be afraid that you will run out of supplies. You should prove your worth, or you do not need to prove your worth to others. You do not need to fear your supplies, for I will provide for you. I will provide to you. And we then go into Jesus again, healing the blind man. And then we get into Peter's confession of the Messiah. Jesus went out. Uh, this is Mark 8.27, by the way. Jesus went out with the disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippia. And on the road, he asked the disciples, Who do the people say that I am? They entered him, John the Baptist, others, Elijah. Still others, one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he strictly told, warned them. Wow. And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. 
Um, I'll, I'll get right back to that because next is his death and resurrection predicted. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and rise. After three days, he spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at the other disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God concerns, but human concerns. Um, this is why it was important that they knew he was the Messiah, but did not tell people he was the Messiah. The crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Christ had to happen at a certain time. It could not happen early. And if the high priests, Pharisees, knew he was the Messiah, or knew he was claiming to be the Messiah, they would execute him immediately. He did not want to be executed early, or it would have ruined his time. And Peter rebuking him is saying, No, teacher, no, Messiah, you cannot suffer and die. I don't want you to. I don't want you to. This is why Jesus calls him Satan. Not referring to Peter as Satan, but the thought of his brain, the part of his brain that is saying, you will fall, or you cannot die because I don't want you to. Ignoring God's will for what would happen to These are not God's concerns, but of human concerns. Ignoring God's will for what you as a person desire. God needed Christ to suffer and die at a certain point. At a particular time, after a certain amount of teachings had been done. Peter did not want his Messiah to die. God's concerns and human concerns are very different. They can align, but not always. We then go into Jesus' calling to take up the cross. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me, and the gospel will be will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world, yet to loot and yet lose his life? What can anyone in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of his of him when he comes in glory of the Father with of his Father with the holy angels. Then he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come power. Um, yeah, this is just Jesus saying, Take up your crosses, follow me. You know, Jesus saying, Do not turn your backs when the going gets hard. Do not abandon me. Do not abandon my will for you when it gets hard on earth because of persecution. 
because of others telling you it is wrong. Instead, instead, follow me no matter what it takes, for I shall always be Lord. And soon, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. Don't forget that. Take up your cross was them, you know, them thinking, oh, we'll be crucified like how the Romans have been executing everyone who rebels against them. Not, oh, we'll be crucified like how Jesus was crucified. Jesus hasn't been crucified yet when he says this. This is just how the Romans executed people. Um, Nobody realized that they would be following Christ to the cross. All they knew is they would be ex- or they could be executed for believing in Christ and following this man. I, I don't know how I never noticed that either. I've been reading this book for 20 years. And at no point did I realize take up your cross comes before he was crucified. Um, We then go into the story of the transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves to be alone. He was transfigured in front of them. And his clothes became became dazzling, extremely white, and no, as no launderer on earth could whiten them. Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it, it is good for us to be here. Let us set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah because he did not know what to say, since they were terrified. A cloud appeared, overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with him except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen, until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept his word to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Elijah does come first and restores all things, he replied. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did whatever they pleased him, just as it is written about him. Transfiguration. Uh, Once again, this is Elijah and Moses appearing with Jesus in front of the disciples. This is God speaking to them in a vision. It is very important that we as Christians, we as people, uh, discern God's words to us and discern his messages to us. 
a lot of times we can ignore the little symbols that are God or the messages of God or the visions of God or the dreams of God. I mean, a lot of us now very, very recently, we had a huge message from God and just him saying, hey, I'm out here. I created everything. Come be with me. Um, with these pictures from the James Webb telescope, it's just, they're just so beautiful. Looking at our universe as a whole. A lot of times when we think about Christianity and we think about our God, Yahweh, we really limit his scope. I know I do a lot, and I really don't think about him when I look up into the night sky a lot of the time. I really think about God when I look at the creations on Earth and the beauty that is Earth. And, uh, truly, the natural wonders of Earth are beautiful and amazing. Truly, the creations on Earth are intelligently designed. But it takes... I, I just never think about it, but with these new pictures we're seeing of our universe with, the, with this James Webb telescope, you look out into the sky... You can see these pictures, just be amazed by their beauty. You have to sit there and think. God created all of this. One, one entity just created all of this magnificent beauty. And you just can't help but be awestruck by his power and his glory. Oh. To go on a tangent, that is what the Big Bang Theory originally was, too. Um, originally, it was that God had created the entire universe with now. And, that, and it was just an ever-expanding universe that, God's, that God was creating. Um... And I guess to go on a tangent, people will have you try to believe that there's no way a God could have created that. Um, but I ask you, how could that have just happened? I ask you how nothing and nothing reacted to create everything. And it's this universe is such an amazingly designed. Thing. Just so it needs a designer when you really think about anything that happened. How could things just happen this way? God truly is amazing and wonderful. Incredibly powerful. I am astonished by his mercy every day. And his all-knowing creativity. I mean, he's God. He's God. I mean, the way the universe looks with these new pictures just screams to me, this was all my doing. Not me as me, but God saying, this was all my doing. Worship and be amazed at how, or at what I have created, what I have done for all of you. Um, 
and to think the Lord created all of that. He's crea- he created everything that exists. The stars in our sky, the galaxies in our universe, the entire universe, every creature on earth has been ordained by him, some way created by him. And he desires personal sorry, a personal relationship with all of us. Um, that fact to me is just so incredibly amazing. God desires personal relationship with all of us. He has any number of creatures, any number of other infinitely powerful things he could do. He can do anything he desires. He has all the power in the world. I mean, when we sinned and we were cast out of Eden, he could have just, right then and there, just destroyed everything and started again. He could have broken it all down, destroyed the world, destroyed everything, and just started again. But he didn't. And, you know, even all the times after the flood, he could have just gone back on his word and destroyed the world, but he didn't. And eventually he sent down, he came down himself as a man and proclaimed or proclaimed his son, God the, God the Son, God the Savior, Jesus the Christ, was sent down to this land and died one of the most brutal deaths in human history to be our Savior. And that is so incredibly powerful um i think that's the message i'd like to leave off with for this episode um thank you all for listening uh i'd like to pray us out um praying still for those who've been losing their lives constantly to violence and disease and the evils of this world and I pray that the Lord comes and blesses us and keeps watch over us, keeps us safe. Um, I pray for the people of Japan who just lost their, I believe it was a former prime minister, um, but I will admit if I'm wrong. Um, I pray for the people in Ukraine still fighting a war against Russia. I pray for a swift end to this war. Uh, Amen. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Have a blessed week, and we'll hear from you again soon. Take care.